0: This is so very different, doing church the way we're doing these days. But praise God, we're still here and we're still doing it. This morning, as you're... Well, it's probably going to be afternoon when you get this podcast and you're listening. I I want you to go to the kitchen, get a saltine cracker and break it into three or four pieces. And whoever's with you, your family members... Give each one a piece of cracker, pour yourself a little bit of juice, it can be a little bit of grape juice, it can be a little orange juice, it could be a little bit of water, it doesn't matter, because we're going to take communion together this morning. This is Palm Sunday. This is the start of the greatest week in the history of the world, and towards the end of this week... Jesus sat down in the upper room with his disciples and he began to explain to them what was going to happen. He, uh, he had a cup of, of wine and he had some bread. And so he was going to have communion with his brothers and try to explain to them what was, what was going to take place. And we do this in remembrance of this very week, this very thing. Now for all of you at home, I'm giving you time to, to go get your cracker and a little bit of water, a little bit of juice, whatever you have so that we can take communion together. The bread, this little piece of bread represents the body of Christ that was broken and beaten and bruised for our iniquity. They, they still didn't get it. And I understand it. I mean, imagine, you know, there's just a few of us here and then, Hey, guys, this, this coming weekend, they're going to kill me. You know, I, imagine what their minds were racing, going, Wait a minute, this is the king of the world. This is, this is the creator of all things. What do you, Jesus, what are you talking about? But it was so real, and I understand why they didn't understand. It was more than, than our brains could really comprehend. so he said this bread he broke and gave each one a piece and he said take and eat and i'd like to ask the few of us that are here to go ahead and take and eat and you at home i hope that you did this represents the body of christ heavenly father i pray that as we take this little piece of bread, that we remember what you have done for us. We can do this at home. We don't have to be together in church. We're together in spirit. And Father, we know that your body was bruised and beaten for our iniquities, for our sin. You did it for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Then he passed around a cup of, of wine and whatever you have at home. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be just a little bit of water standing at the kitchen sink. It's, the, it's remembering is what's important. It's not what the flavor is of the juice that you're drinking. It's remembering that this represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for a guy like me Man, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it for a minute. Not a second of my life do I deserve what He did for me. He did it for me. And, and that means He did it for you. He did it for you. So all, all He asks us to do is to do this in remembrance of me, of what's about to happen. And I could, just, I could just see the disciples, imagine them sitting around this table and they were, they were down on their, uh, sitting on the ground on it's a low table and, and they, they whispered to one another, did he say his blood? This represents what his, his blood, what, what's he talking about? What, What's he really mean? He knew they didn't understand, but he knew in a few short days they would. They would, and they would tell the story, and they would write the story, and we would get the story, we would remember. So, Heavenly Father, as we take this communion together, help us to remember, help us to experience what really transpired, what was going on in your heart that day. Father, you did this for us. You saw me in your mind when you knew what was happening. We take and we drink and remember in Jesus' name, amen. So I hope all of you at home did that together with us. Because it's important. So before I get completely started, let's, well, let's talk about this message. We've been in a series for the past three weeks called Created to Be. Created to Be. To become a follower is this week's message. The first two weeks, weeks, the first one was believe in Jesus, belong to a family, and this week become a follower. And you say, well, Pastor, they all start with Bs. And I said, yeah, I know. But this is where I got it from. The book of Genesis 126, then God said, let us make man. That's where I get the word believe. Because he made us to believe. Then he said, in our image. Why would God create us in his image unless he wanted us to belong, to have his likeness? Because he said, according to our likeness, he wants us to become like him. It's a process. Then he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all things, This is where he said that he wants us to build his kingdom. And that's where I got these bees from. These are very difficult times for the church. Not just our church, but the churches around the world. Churches are closed. Who would have ever dreamed that this could happen? But these are also times that the church needs to step up and be all that God has created us to be. We need to stay connected with one another. We need to call people that we know. Be encouragers. Each one of us is called to be an encourager. And maybe you're the one who needs encouragement. Please reach out, call someone. You can call me, I promise I will do my best to respond. But here's some of what we are doing at the church. We've purchased a video camera. We're hoping before Easter that we'll be able to live stream or at least pre-record worship services that we can send out online so that you all can be a part of the church service, even those who aren't part of our church. It's going to be a wonderful thing. We have a few people in our church that do not have internet capabilities. To watch these services. And here's my plan. I will personally invite these few to come and be a part of our podcast, if they want. It must be less than 10 people, including whoever's in the worship. So that only means a very few people. They will take their temperature before leaving their home, or at least make sure they're feeling well. They will stay far apart from one another as they possibly can, more than six feet. There'll be no handshaking, no hugging. We'll keep our social distancing. We'll be good. As much as uh, that drives me crazy, because I just want to jump out there and hug all of you right now. But we'll, we'll adhere to the rules. And then they will go immediately home and wash their hands again. I know, again. And this is only for a few that are invited to come, because they can't tune into the broadcast. Please understand, I'm not picking my favorites because you're all my favorites, but I'm just trying to help those who can't tune into the podcast. So we're keeping our distance. We're doing it right. Keep praying for your church, our leadership, our church family, as well as our country. If you have any prayer requests and you want them to go out on the broadcast, please call me ahead of time, and I'll do my best to talk about them in the podcast. Here's the really cool thing. This is forcing me or us to move into the online age. This is where most churches have been for quite a while now, and it's where we need to be to reach out far beyond our church walls. Amen. Amen we need to do that we need to be reaching out beyond our walls and that's exactly what we're trying to do now i realize i i don't have uh, the powerpoint presentation behind me so um, i've got a lot of scriptures that we're going to go through so if you want to write scriptures down so you can remember them that would be wonderful um If you need a copy of this message, I can get you one so you can remember these Scripture references. But for all of you at home, pick up your Bible, do your best to write the Scriptures down, and follow along. So let's begin today's message. To become. We're created to be. This is part three. To become. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him to them... He gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? He gave them right to become children of God. Notice, it didn't say he made them children of God. They become, they develop, they grow to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Man, this is being born again. It just told us, John 1, 12 through 13 will tell you what it is to be born again. We're not born of blood of man, but of God. When we receive Jesus Christ to become children of God. Mark 1, 17 says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become children. Fishers of men. How many times have you... I've, how many times have I preached on this message? And because it's a short one, I can remember it. I have this one memorized. It says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know we leave out that become? It, how many times have you read that or, or repeated it and said, he'll make you fishers of men? But look at what Jesus actually said. This is Mark 1, 17. Follow me and I will make you become... Become fishers of men. Man, that just shows us that this is a process. This is a process that we're growing and developing in to become that fishers of men. It's not an instantaneous thing. It is in our spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ, we automatically become new and our spirit is renewed and it it is perfect and it's heaven-bound, it's ready. But in our soul, we're becoming that's why this t- title of this message is become 2 Corinthians 13.11. This is the Apostle Paul. Let me set this one up. This was probably the, one of the last statements that he made to the Corinthian church. He had been there for a while. There were two letters that he had wrote. Actually, there were three, but two of them that got recorded in the Bible. And he said this to him: Finally, brethren, farewell. You kind of get that. He's, he's, he's explaining to the church, I, I'm, I'm going to be going on. I'm moving away from you now. And this is what he said. The next words he says, become complete. How do you become complete? He goes on to say, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Wow. The Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthian church, and he was telling us, the little Tuolumne Community Baptist Church right here, he was telling us, become complete by being of good comfort, being of one mind, to live in peace, and the God of love, the God of love and peace will be with you. So that's why we called this message, Become a Follower. So why do you think we have to become I think we all understand the Christian walk is a process in development and growth. It, it, it isn't an instantaneous thing. We believe in Jesus. We love our church. We love our church family. But have you ever thought about how you get into a place in your Christian walk where you kind of feel like you've arrived? I mean, you're a Christian. We all can be here at some point. We tend to think maybe we're a little better than the other guy because we're not doing these sinful things. We're, we don't have these sinful characteristics. We, we're, we're doing okay, man. I know that I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. And this is actually a kind of a dangerous place to be. This is a place where if we're not careful, we can allow Satan a foothold into our spiritual lives because we think that we've got it all together. I'm a good Christian. I go to church, I put money in the tithe offering. You know, I I take care of business. I'm okay. Everything seems to be fine. We know what we believe. But could it be we're not where we need to be in this walk? Let me show you a biblical example. This is one that is, is really a good example. Mark 9, through 35, He says, When he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? He's asking the disciples. Jesus obviously was walking up ahead maybe talking to one person or something. He was walking up ahead, but he knew, he could hear through his, his spiritual ways, he knew what they were talking about. But when, so he asked them, What were you guys disputing amongst yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Hmm. So he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, he calls them on the point because they wouldn't admit that that's what they were talking about. But he knew what was in their hearts. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. Hmm. See, that's where we're supposed to be. We get to our so high and mighty that we think, well, it's somebody else's job to make that phone call. It's somebody else's job to take care of business. It's somebody else's job. No, no, could it be? Your job? Some churches would go along saying, well, who's going to be the next pastor? We all know Pastor George is getting old. (laughs) He is. He's getting old. What about this one? This, This could happen in our little church. I've been here longer than Pastor Jim. I should be teaching adult Sunday school. I mean, just because he's Pastor George's friend, he gets to teach adult Sunday school? Who does everybody think it is? These are things that go through our minds. Shouldn't I get more credit for making the decision to get a camera to broadcast services? I'm one of the elders. Shouldn't I get credit for that? Pastor George took all the credit for that. You see how easily? This is kind of where the disciples were at. They were saying, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the one next to Jesus all the time? Here's my first point. We are all born self-centered. All of us. We're all born in sin and self-centered. Ever known a baby that wasn't self-centered? it will cry in the middle of the night and say, feed me. Now when your 42-year-old husband cries in the middle of the night and says, make me a sandwich, you need to kick him out of bed. Tell him to go make his own but we're all born self-centered. That's a natural, physical response in our bodies that we are born self-centered and it continues to creep into our bodies. Be honest, all your life, it's always been about you. Okay, everybody in the podcast, calm down, I'll, I'll change that. All my life, it's been about me. I'll put it on me. You guys are innocent. It's always been about me. It's a battle for me. And I'm telling you the truth, especially in ministry. Constantly, when I pray about the church, I have to remember it's not about me. It's not about the things I desire. It's got to be about him. And it's got to be about you. It's not about my desire to see things go the way I want to see them go. And and I struggle with that because as a pastor, I want to see things happen a certain way. I want to see it go a certain way. But it's never, ever, ever or should be about me. It always has to be about Jesus. As As a younger pastor, I've gotten over this mostly now. I say mostly. Um you guys know that i don't have a college degree i don't have a master's degree in divinity i didn't go to the southern baptist bible college i didn't i studied somewhat under northern california bible college but i never got a degree i was lucky to get a high school diploma because i got through high school nearly illiterate and so when i planted a church and i i began began to overcome all these obstacles because i knew that god had a calling on my life it was evident it had been there since i was a child i knew that i was called to preach the gospel of jesus christ i knew it but it was hard to gain any recognition because i wasted 35 years of my life living in the world instead of going to college that i wasted a lot of time and so I planted a church, and I wanted, I wanted recognition like, like my mentor, Pastor Craig. What an awesome man he is of, of Christian Heights, Assembly of God. He is a phenomenal man. He's my mentor, and I love him. But I have, have you ever been in a place where all you wanted your father to say, good job, you just wanted that pat on the back saying, good job? And I remember struggling with this. All I would like is to hear it from Pastor Craig saying, good job, you followed my example. I used to watch him, how he walked, how he talked, everything he'd say, what he preached on Wednesday night service. I would take out to the motocross track and preach the very thing, same thing he was preaching on Wednesday night on Sunday morning out at the track. Because I, I copied him. I, I, he, he molded me. And yet, when I left, it seemed like we left on uncertain terms. Maybe he really wanted me to stay. I don't know. But it was something inside of me that I've always been a battle to say, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what my, my mentor thought of me or what he thought. It's about what Jesus thinks. It's about what he cares about. It's his calling on my life, and I need to not worry about. It. And then we get into the thing of numbers. When I planted the church, you know, we only had 25 people or so for the longest time. I was like, man, am I only going to have 25 people? And the Holy Spirit would say, well, they're the best darn 25 people you could ever ask for. What's your problem? Well, as, as a pastor, you, you start looking at numbers and, and dollars and, you know, seeing more people come in. And it's not about that. It's about whatever he's called us to be. And I want to be what he's called me to become. And so, yes, I have struggled with this self centeredness. That it's not about me, it's all about Him. Let's look at another scripture, Mark 10 35 through 37. I should have told you ahead of time, then you guys could have got there. I can talk for a little bit. This is why I love PowerPoint. Bam, it's right there behind me. I can just keep right on moving. But you know what? We're in no hurry. So turn your Bibles to Mark 35, 37, and listen to these two characters. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee. You remember the sons of thunder? That's these guys. These guys are something else, man. Brothers in Christ. They came to him, meaning Jesus, capital H there. They came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Wow. Wow. It just wows me. We want you, Jesus, to do whatever we ask. Well, I think they probably heard Jesus say some of those things. Whatever you pray, it shall be done. Whatever you ask, it you shall receive. Of course, maybe they didn't get that it was supposed to be according to his will, to God's will. I'm not sure what they were thinking. They said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Then he said to them, what do you want me to do for you, young men? What exactly is it you would like me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. In other words, we want to run the kingdom. Let me be the governor, he can be the mayor. Whatever, however you want to structure it. You'll be in the middle, Jesus, but we want to be there ruling and reigning right on your right hand and on your left hand. How many times... Well, then he said to them, they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, guys, you do not know what you ask. You do not know what you ask. How many times... And I just want you to be serious and think about this. How many times do you think the Holy Spirit has said to you, you have no idea what you're praying about? You have no idea what you're asking? Because you you don't understand. Just like these two precious disciples, sons of thunder, they didn't understand that the type of kingdom that Jesus was going to set up was a heavenly kingdom. They didn't understand. They thought they were going to rule and reign and pastor the biggest church and you know their names would be known everywhere and they had all these things. Well, how many times have you prayed for something and saying, Lord, you got to give this to me and, and the Holy Spirit could be saying, you have no idea what you're asking. How often are our prayers all about me or us and what we feel we need? Or what we want to happen. And yet it's it's a prayer that's all about me. I would call that kind of prayer a, a meism prayer. It's all about me. It's all about me. Well, look at this scripture. If you want to turn to one Matthew 25, 34 and 35. Jesus is gonna to explain to them why you don't want one on the right hand and one on the left hand. He's telling a story, and and maybe they didn't hear this story when he said it. I'm not sure, but we're going to give you why what they asked was so foolish. So Matthew 25, verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, The king, meaning God, He will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of the Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Man, that's where we want to be, people. Right there is where we want to be. God said, you're on my right hand. You will inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. And then he explained it a little bit in verse 35. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And I'll paraphrase a little bit after that. The disciples said, Jesus, when did I ever give you a cup of water? When did I ever feed you? Jesus, what you're saying... I..." I, I mean, we've always been together, and and you've shared in everything alike. But I, I haven't, I haven't come to see you in prison. When have you been in prison? And Jesus said back to them, "The least of these that you have done this to." You see, it's not about you. It's all about who you've helped out. Jimmy, maybe sometimes you're standing in the in the grocery line and. And this you got one little item, you got one little quart of milk here, and then you know, and this person in front of you has got this whole big bunch of groceries, and you think, man, I gotta wait for all those. And they step aside and say, No, Jimmy, go ahead. That's a blessing, huh? When that happens, that's that's a blessing because it's not about them. Our ministry here on this earth is not about us. It's about what we can become to do for others, to do for others in this world. Matthew 25, again, 41 and 42. In 41 it says, Then he will also say to those on his left hand. Now these are the guys on the other side. And remember what the sun just under there were saying, Hey, put one on our left and one on your right. This is why Jesus said, You have no idea what you ask. And he, God, will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is proof that hell was not prepared for you. Hell was not prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus' own words right there. He didn't prepare it for you. And he said, But if you don't, Follow the things that I've told you. He says in 42, For when I was hungry, you gave me no food. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I assure you, they had no idea what they were asking. But even in Matthew 20, it says, Their own mother. Because Jesus wouldn't listen to them, they went to their mother and said, Hey, he'll listen to you. Go ask Jesus this. Look in Matthew 20, verses 21 and 22, he said, And he said to them, said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus said the same thing to her, you do not know what you ask. It's not that these men were bad. They had a good case of the meism. They weren't seeing that it wasn't about them. It was about all the people that they were gonna reach through doing their work. They weren't bad. They truly did have a heart for God. But they were born, just like you and me, into a fallen world, and it's natural for us to be self-centered. This is part of what we have to fight against. It's part of what we develop in, and it's part of what we have to become out of that self-centered world. So what do we have to do? This is something that we all have to deal with, me as well as you. And I say it's a process, and it does take time. And we're all stuck in this thing called meism. So, point number two when we're born again, we become Christ centered. Instead of self centered, we become Christ centered. Now, understand, we're still human beings. We still live in this body. Our soul, our spirit is saved and it's righteous and it's holy and it's ready for heaven, but we're still fighting the flesh the old flesh that keeps creeping in. And that's what this message is about. So how do we do this? What does it look like to be Christ-centered? I'm going to take you to another scripture, Mark 10. Mark 10, 41 through 45. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased at James and John. Okay, let me fill in what's going on here. The other 10, there's 12 disciples. James and John were the one going to Jesus and their mom going to Jesus saying, hey, can one sit at your right hand? Can one sit at your left hand? Can we be first? Can we be number one? Can we have the biggest church? Can we have the biggest crowds? And the other 10 got upset that who do these guys think they are trying to get first in with Jesus? Who do, who do they think they are? So when the ten heard it, they began to get greatly displeased. Verse 42 says, Then Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Their police, their government, all the things they do. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be a servant. Oh, really, I have to be a servant? I wanted to be great in the kingdom of God. I wanted to be like one of those TV evangelists, my name on the big screen. I have to be a servant? Yes. He goes on in verse 44, he says, And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave to all. You want to be first? Then you be a slave to all. You take care of everybody else. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man, Jesus said, Even the Son of Man, me, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said to him, He said, Guys, I didn't come here to be served. I I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. Romans 1.1, the apostle Paul said, it's a really short little scripture. The very first verse it says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. We see this word bondservant, Most of us think servant, but it's much more than that. As nouns, the difference between servant and bondservant is that the servant who is one is hired to perform regular household duties and receives compensation for it. A servant gets paid. A bondservant doesn't. A bondservant is a slave. In some Bibles, the bondservant... Is an illustration of a Greek word called deloas, which means one who is subservient to do the entire at the disposal of his master. Entirely at the disposal of his master. A slave. Other translations use the word a slave. We must become a bondservant of Jesus Christ. We don't, we're not in it for the money. We're not in it for the glory. We're not in it to say how wonderful we are because we showed up here this morning. We're in it to grow and develop and to become more like Christ. John 3, 30 and 31, it says, he said, remember this? John said this. You don't even have to look it up because you, you'll recognize it. Remember the John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Do you remember that? I've heard many sermons on that where this is John, Jesus' cousin, the one they took his head off. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said this. He said, I must decrease so that he must increase. Do Do you think that really meant that John had to die in order for Jesus to get great? No, it meant in the flesh, I have to decrease in me, and Jesus has to increase in me. That's our goal. That's what developing is all about. And I agree with John. I must, he must increase, and I must decrease. How I feel, how I think, what I want has to decrease. His will, his plan, his purpose has to increase in my life. He goes on to say in verse 31, he says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. He's talking about Jesus, and our job is to become like Jesus. For he knew... This is John 13, sorry, 11 through 17, John 13, 11. It says, For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he's telling the disciples, hey, guys, you're not all clean. So verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again and said, do you know what I have done to you? Can you you just visualize that? You know, here, when I first became your pastor, and we're going to do it again, and it was a men's ministry night, I had all the men of the church come, and I had them take their shoes off, and I washed their feet. We're about to do that again here this, this summer when it happens again, because it's something that marked them. It's very powerful, especially when your leader is willing to get down and wash your feet, Jimmy, because that's how I feel about you. That's how I feel about you, Tom. I get down and I wash your feet. You were here, Steve, weren't you, that night when we had the foot washing? I believe so, yeah. Look at what Jesus said. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am your teacher, your Lord. This is Jesus talking. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You need to take care of your neighbor. You need to take care of people that you see that need taking care of. He goes on in verse 15, says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you to be a servant, a servant of all. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Nobody's going to be greater than Jesus. Nobody's going to be greater than God. But in order to become like him, He said in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's what Jesus was trying to tell us. So point number three, and it's the very last final point. We become, because he helps us to become as we develop and grow, we become a follower. But more importantly, we become like Jesus that's our goal that's our goal and we do that by loving one another by serving one another that's what we do I am your servant as your pastor I humbly come before you and thank you for being my church All of you that are listening, at home, doing what you're supposed to do, I want you to know that I love you. And we, as a church body, want to serve you. We want to take care of you because that's what a family does. So it's very important that we to know that we are created to be, to become like Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope to see everyone soon. In Jesus' name, amen.